The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Acts chapter 5. That's the fourth watch of the night, by the way. A lot happens right there at the fourth watch of the night. You can do a word study on that. Acts chapter 5, find, uh, find that and then go to verse 7. We're going to read 7 through 11. And then we'll go to Acts 19. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you... You and Ananias got for the land. Yes, she said. That's the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are here at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. The young men, the youth ministry, They came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband and great fear seized the whole church. What seized the whole church? Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Go to Acts 19, please. Acts chapter 19. And find verse uh, 17. And that page missing in my Bible. Which is a sign of a well-fed soul. So, (laughs) would you read uh, verse 17 for us? Acts 19, verse 17. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with great, with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number of those who had practiced practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After all this happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. Father, we thank and praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, as Pastor Vince jumps in his truck and drives, praying in the Spirit, which I know is exactly what he's doing, because I know him, he's uh, he's got access to go right into ICU. He's got a card, the whole thing, and he's going to go all Jesus up on that guy. And I'm just going to believe that he's going to get sealed. We've seen more miracles. Listen, if you never go for it, then you're never going to get the result. You might as well go for it. And uh, thank you for bringing that message to us tonight about his desperate fight. And God is bigger yet still. Raise him up. Heal him completely in Jesus' name. Turn around. You heard a turn for the worse? He's going to take a turn for good in Jesus' name. I've told this story before, but it illustrates very well what I want to preach to you on the fear of God. I talked to you this morning. Now, this is not something that's new here. I've preached on the topic before, even these texts many times. I talked about um, how when I was a lad living in Manhattan, and how a, a man bumped the back of my truck, how many of you, back of my car, how many of you heard that story this morning, and, and after three times rear-ending my 1964 Pontiac Le Mans, lightly, he wasn't like rear-ending me, hitting me, he was just tapping my bumper, I got out to rip him from his vehicle, but after opening the door, he was four times my size, at least twice, and he didn't even flinch, and he looked at me and he said, shut my door. And I said, yes, sir, I'll shut your door. And I shut the door and I backed away. So thankful that he didn't decide to use me for a punching bag or something. I all of a sudden had 
revelation that I was in trouble. A young man who has a problem groping a young girl. He tells his youth pastor, you know, I have a problem. We have a problem. We can't keep our hands off each other. The youth pastor says, well, it's because you don't have the fear of the Lord. That's why. And he says, what are you talking about? The youth pastor says, well, take the story. You go with Susie Q and you park out by the Wasilla Lake. And she's, hopefully your name's not Susie Q. And, and you park out by the lake and you're steaming up the windows. That's all I'll say. There is a knock on the window, and you look, and it's Susie Q's father with a Mossberg 500, Defender Edition. And as he presses the cold steel of the Mossberg 500 12-gauge shotgun to his skull, he says to the young man, Take your stinking hands off my daughter. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. Susie Q, get out of the car. Get in the truck. How many of you know that, that uh, junior boy who's having a problem groping Susie Q? How many of you know his problem? He had complete control when the Mossberg 500 showed up. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. He said, power greater than his urge to grope was exhibited. The fear of the Mossberg. I don't want to talk about the fear of the Mossberg. I want to talk about the fear of God. The fear of the Lord. The key to understanding these texts that we read is the word fear. It's good fear and bad fear. Now, if you'll just allow me to be kind of calm, and I'm going to try not to get too Pentecostal tonight. My vo- you're like, oh, <laughs> my vocal cords are rather stretched. But you never can tell what's going to happen at KC, praise God. If I get, I get really encouraged, I just might lose it, but I've got to be careful of my voice. <laughs> it's good fear and bad fear. Good fear and bad fear. The Lord doesn't want you to, live in terror that he's going to beat you up one side and down the other. That's not the kind of, that's not the fear that he wants you to have. Fear can be good. It can, the fight or flight syndrome. I don't know if you ever had that happen where you all of a sudden are afraid and it produces in you a burst of adrenaline and you're able to get out of a situation. God can use fear to really help you. And uh, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've had those instances in your life, but they happen. As we look at this text, these two texts, you'll notice something that I believe can deeply affect us. First, here in Acts 5, background is Jesus has ascended. It's about five years after his ascension. And um, Barnabas, the son of encouragement is what his name means, Barnabas has this great love for God, and he has a piece of real estate, apparently. And you can, you can read up on it. It's the context of Ananias and Sapphira. He has a piece of real estate, and God speaks to him for him to sell the piece of real estate, take the, the price of the land, and he lays it at the apostles' feet. And when that happens, it releases this spirit of generosity across the congregation, and everybody starts giving. I've been in some services like that. Uh, not too often. In fact, uh, twice. One big time, I was in a meeting where it was like a wave of the Spirit of God came across the place, people weeping, and they're charging the altar, putting money and car keys, giving everything that, get, that God placed upon their heart to give to the Lord. And I, I've seen people, you know, praying and weeping, and somebody gets a word of knowledge that they need a car. I've seen cars given back and forth and motorcycles and all kinds of stuff. I've seen some crazy stuff happen in church services so it was kind of like that. Now, there's the giving where you're not supposed to let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. That's called the almsgiving. But there's another kind of giving that, that Barnabas does here where he gives this price of the land. He sells the land. He takes it, and he lays it at the apostles' feet so everybody can see. This is obviously not le- It has nothing to do with running your right hand and know what your left hand is doing. Everybody can see he just gave this huge offering. 
And when that happens, it releases this generosity. So that's the context here. And Ananias and Sapphira decide to do the same thing. They're like, that's awesome. Let's do it. But there's something wrong with their gift. Something happens between the sale of their property and the giving of the gift. Now, here's the thing. If you ever get in a group or you're ever part of a church where they tell you that you need to sell something and bring the money in, run for the hills. Leave as quickly as you can. Don't ever get under any kind of manipulation or control regarding your own personal stuff. A church should never tell you that. Now, we teach on tithing. It's in the Word of God. But it's up to you what you do with your house, your land, your, your stuff. God makes you a steward of it. And so there's no manipulation like that, but apparently they're encouraged with full intention, it seems, of giving the sale of their property. But the problem is, is that that something goes wrong, and in the something going wrong, both of them are killed. This is not the Old Testament, it's the New. This is the New Testament. And so what happens is they lied. They lied to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit's not an it, it's not a dove. The Holy Spirit is not like, like Star Wars, the force. Let the force be with you. Holy Spirit's not a force or an inanimate object. It's a person. Holy Spirit's a person. But you can't lie to a soap dish. How many of you know? Have you ever tried that? You can't lie to an inanimate object. But you can lie to a person. You can grieve a person. And so they, they lie to the Holy Spirit. And God, as I was just saying, God respects private ownership. And so they, they come and they give this gift, and he's saying he's giving it all when he wasn't. So Ananias and Sapphira, they, they, they have this picture. They come separately, but they say that they're giving it all, but they weren't giving it all. Now, you got to ask, well, why is that? Well, I think they're deceiving the congregation. I think they were trying to deceive the apostles. I think they're just trying to deceive people to gain a greater, uh, a greater reputation of generosity beyond what they deserved. Do you understand? So they sell this piece of land, then they say, oh yeah, we gave it all, and God be the glory. But in fact, they didn't give it all, but they wanted to be acknowledged as giving it all. And in that acknowledgement, they lie to God, and they lie to God's people, and there's this deception that goes on, and man, judgment is swift in this case. And, uh, and they end up, both of them, dying. It's remarkable, though. It causes church growth. Their sin was the same as Achan in Joshua 7. In fact, uh, in the Septuagint, how many of you know what the Septuagint is? It's a Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. So if you read, if you read Joshua chapter 7 about Achan... Achan kept back the sacred or the accursed things. It's the same word that's here, used here. Wow. Same word. And God's killing of them. <laughs> he killed, God killed them. I said God killed them. This is a New Testament. We're not, we're not somewhere in the Old Testament. God's killing of them was a reiteration of the truth of the early church that they must fear the Lord. Got to fear God. Now the second text that we looked at was uh, about the revival in Ephesus. Evan and these seven sons of Sceva are attempting to use Jesus' name to cast out demons without knowing Jesus and without serving him. So they use, it, use the name of Jesus like a, like a rabbit foot. I've, I've talked about that before. You know, you can have a rabbit foot in your pocket all you want. It's not going to help you. In fact, it probably hurts you. Amen. Can open the door to the demonic, in fact. You can, have a, you can have a cross around your neck. I'm certainly not opposed to crosses around your neck. I used to wear one. I don't happen to be wearing one now. Maybe I'll wear one in the future. I don't know. I think it's wonderful to have a cross around your neck. But you can have a cross around your neck every single day of the week and still go to hell. Come on, smile at me. Praise God. It's a, yeah, how encouraging. Because it's not about some cross around your neck. It's about whether you just know the name of Jesus. It's actually if you've really received him, you're living for him and, and serving him. What I mean by know, like know that the name of Jesus has power, but you don't know him intimately as a believer. 
So the seven sons of Sceva, but they just get their tails kicked. And uh, they, they run out naked and bleeding. One demon. I don't know if you've ever seen demon power like that. Not that I'm here to give a, be a billboard for hell. God's power is way better, way bigger, way stronger than any demon power. But man, I've seen some people get their tails kicked because they don't have authority and they, 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 they got sin in their life and they're trying to be, you know, the John Wayne in the spirit. Yeah, and they just run out naked and bleeding. You can change the name of their ministry to Naked and Bleeding Ministry. <laughs> what does it mean to fear the Lord? What does it mean to have the fear of God? You want that. You want the fear of God. You want the fear of the Lord. Well, what does it mean? Because many times we hear, well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and that's Proverbs, right? We know that. Yes, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I want the fear of the Lord. Well, what is the fear of the Lord? What is the fear of the Lord? Let's, let's let the Word of God speak to us. Fear, it means to fear His anger, Psalm 90, verse 11, if you want to put that up. Psalm 90, verse 11, the fear of the Lord is to, means to fear His anger. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the, as the fear that is your due. The fear of the Lord is to know that, you know, God gets angry. It means, look at B, it means to hold God in reverence and awe. It's a mixture of wonder and sort of dread. We don't really understand it. Most people don't really understand the fear of the Lord, the fear of God. It's a very healthy thing. Psalm 89.7, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by those around him. The fear of the Lord, what does the fear of the Lord mean? Thirdly, or C, it means to depart from and hate evil, Proverbs 3, 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. Proverbs 8 and 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Look, God loves and God hates. The fear of the Lord, it means to keep His commands. We're on D. Keep His commands and walk in His ways. Obey His voice and walk uprightly. whole bunch of scripture here. Proverbs 14, 2. Whoever fears the Lord walks uprightly. But those who despise Him are devious in their ways. If you're devious, you don't have the fear of the Lord. If you're doing evil, you don't have the fear of the Lord. Hello? Anybody here today? Hello? Anybody home? 1 Samuel 12, 14, If you fear the Lord and serve and obey Him and do not rebel against His commands, and if both you and the King who reigns over you follow the Lord, God, good. Deuteronomy 10, 12, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask you but to fear the Lord your God? to walk in obedience to Him, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Deuteronomy 5 and 29. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and to keep my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. How about that? If we fear the Lord and obey His word, it's going to be well with you. It's going to be well with your children. So to not fear Him and... But listen, what the Bible says and what it doesn't say, the converse of things is also true. Honor the Lord, honor, honor your father and mother, and you'll have a long life. Dishonor mom and dad, have a short one. Are there any youth or children here? Honor mom and dad. Why? Because you want to live. It's pretty simple. In fact, honor releases life. Deuteronomy 6 and 2. So that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as they live by keeping my decree, keeping his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It means to trust him. To what? To trust God. To trust God. All of these things mean to fear the Lord. You can't just, it's a composite. It's not just, oh yeah, I fear the Lord. You fear the Lord, it, can, it encompasses all of these things that I'm teaching you right now. It means to trust Him. Psalm 115, 11. You who fear Him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It, it means to serve Him. Lots of scriptures. Deuteronomy 10, 12. Joshua 24, 14. 
Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt and serve the Lord. 1 Samuel 12, 24, another scripture for you note takers. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It means to praise him and declare his works. Deuteronomy 10, 12. Joshua 24, 14 again. Psalm 54, 9. How many of you are trying to praise him and declare his works? Hallelujah. That's what Pastor Vince is doing right now. He's walking in the fear of the Lord. He's probably going into the room right now. It's about, about right. About right. He's going in there right now. Closing the door. Calling on the name of God Almighty. Driving sickness out of that man. That's an expression of the fear of the Lord. Wow. What happens when you fear the Lord? Well, what happens? Well, personally, it'll help you not to sin. It's the Mossberg 500 anointing. See, some people don't have the fear of the Lord, and so they just think they can do whatever they want. Don't make me come down there now. Some people don't have, don't have the fear of the Lord, so they do whatever they want to. They live however they want to live and think that it's all going to be okay. I'm newsflash. You cannot live however you want and think it's going to be okay. It will not necessarily work out for you. Oh, it's all good. Gee, it's all good. No, it isn't. Gee, it isn't. It ain't all good. The only thing that's all good is the Word of God. And if you don't fear the Lord and you get yourself in predicaments where you're disobeying Him and, and not yielding your body and your members of your body to Him and you get over into sin, you will pay a price and it will harm you and it will hurt you and even generations to come. I love teenagers. But I've, I've come to discover that they need to grow up still. Shock, shock. More lives are ruined between the ages of like 13 to 18 because they just don't quite have it. And it can be challenging, as I understand. I've heard stories from others. That kids will just push against the wall. And as a parent, if you don't teach your kids to fear the Lord, you don't teach your kids about consequences, and you don't hold the reins in them, and you'll end up having kids that don't fear God and now they'll just have kids out of wedlock or maybe they won't survive. You've got to teach them to fear the Lord. That was kind of a weak amen. You want to try that again? Sure is quiet tonight. Fear the Lord will help you to not sin. Exodus 20, 20. And Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so you may not sin. Listen, I don't sin for a lot of reasons. I don't sin on purpose. I don't plan stuff out. I don't do willful disobedience. There's a number of reasons for that. One, I would never, I don't want to forfeit or hurt what the relationship I have with God. I mean, he's like my best friend. Why would I do that? I mean, I love him. Why would I, why would I want to hurt him, disappoint him? Why would I want to hurt myself? Why would I want to hurt my wife? Why would I, why would I, why would I want to do that? And for what reason? I mean, what, what bonus, what, what are you going to get out of it? There's nothing that the enemy can put before me that I could get me to bite on. God's given me everything. I'm so blessed. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I just wouldn't forfeit that. But I also, I, I, I'm, I get very concerned that people just willing to just do whatever, compromise. You know, you get into over and over into compromise, you're in trouble. The fear of the Lord will help you keep you from sin. The fear of the Lord will give, uh, God will, get, will deliver you from your enemies, pardon me. 2 Kings 17, verse 39. What happens when you have the fear of the Lord personally and help you not to sin? It'll also allow for God to deliver you from your enemies. How many of you got some enemy action going on? Yeah, God is going to deliver you. Say it. God will deliver me. Say it. God will deliver me. Yeah, why? Because you fear Him. God's man is God's responsibility. 
As it is said, even to this day, if you go up the mountain with the fire, the knife, and the sacrifice, God will be Jehovah Jireh to you. Don't go up the mountain. Don't bring the sacrifice, the knife, and the fire. Then you don't get no Jehovah Jireh. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Now I'm, I'm talking about Abraham. God tells him to go. And he says to his, he says to his servants, we will come back to you. He has Isaac. He heads up the mountain to sacrifice Isaac. Talk about submission. He could have just thumped his older, his, his father, who's an aged man. No, he yields to him. Most people not willing to go up the mountain. How many of you ever climbed a mountain? Has anybody ever climbed a mountain here? Not willing to go up the mountain, not willing to get the knife, not willing to pay the price, and certainly don't have any fire, and aren't willing to go up and do what God called them to do. You will never see God provide for you like He wants to. I'm talking about a, a gully washer, blowout provision for you. God wants to provide for you, but you gotta go up the mountain with the fire and the knife. You gotta go, gotta, gotta obey Him. And God will deliver you from your enemies. All of your enemies. You'll have wisdom. This is what happens if you have the fear of the Lord personally, you'll have wisdom. That's so encouraging to me. Psalm 25, verse 12 through 14. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in his way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. That's what my descendants are going to do. My descendants are going to inherit the earth as the Lord tarries. Where's my children? You're going to inherit the earth. You know why? Because I'm going to fear the Lord. Make sure you do the same thing. And all the Bracken kids said, Amen. <laughs> Teach your kids to fear the Lord. And you'll have wisdom. Oh, verse 14. Psalm 25, verse 14. Verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. Hold the phone, Batman. Do you mean you can have wisdom from God? Do you mean that God has secrets that He will reveal to you? If he can trust you, if you have the fear of the Lord. Yeah, God has wisdom that, that none of us know. It comes from above. There's wisdom, as James talks about, of the earth that's devilish. Then there's wisdom that comes from above. God has wisdom that he'll give you, but he's not going to give it to you if he can't trust you with it. How many are going to give your brand new truck to somebody who can't drive? I saw that Toyota out there. That thing's bad. Amen. Would you lend it to a four or five-year-old? No. It's against the law. Some of you don't have a fear of the law. Do you know God establishes law? Do you know a policeman, a police officer, keeper of the peace, they, do you know that they're actually ordained by the Lord? It doesn't mean they're all godly. I'm not saying that. But you read Romans, talks about that. They're God's agent. Thank God for the police force. Come on, somebody say Hallelujah. You'll be honored. Some of you want honor. Well, maybe you need the fear of the Lord first. Psalm 15, verse 4. Who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts. Oh, keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. Honor will come to you if you have the fear of the Lord. You'll have God's mercy. Psalm 103, verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. You'll be blessed, Psalm 112, verse 1. Psalm 115, verse 13. I think I put all the scriptures there. Yeah, yeah, listen, this is one you should keep. You should keep this one. Go back over the scriptures. Some of you should memorize them because you desperately need the fear of the Lord. Because if you don't have it, you're not going to live long. Your life will be destroyed. It'll keep you from doing things, keep you from being places. The fear of the Lord will keep you from being in relationship with people you should never be in relationship with. Hello, is there anybody out there? All right, I know it's a popular message. I'm just telling you, need the fear of the Lord. You'll be blessed. God will answer your prayers. Seven, number eight, you'll give you a long life. All kinds of scriptures here, wonderful. You'll be healed. Oh. Come on, we can stand on that right now for our brother Mike there. And it's Mike, right? I got that right? Nick. It's close. It's four letters, right? Nick. 
Malachi 4 and 2. But you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, will rise, shall rise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like a stall-fed calves. Let me just, let me, I, I, I got I to depart for a second. Let me teach you something. One of the reasons most people don't have miracles is because they're afraid of being embarrassed. Now what happens right now if I just totally go off and declare that he's going to be healed? And he isn't. Oh, 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 that could really hurt. Well, what happens if we declare he's going to be healed and he is? See, most people aren't, are afraid of, of maybe, well, look, listen, God's God. Which way is the hospital? That way? Stand up on your feet for a second. They say he's dying. Is that right? They say he's dying. His body's shutting down. Is that right? Is that what they say? Come on, release all the faith that you got. Jesus is bigger. Lord, with those who fear the Lord, you will rise. Your word says it. You'll rise with healing. Nick, be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Rise up and recover to give God the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. All right, you can sit down. Listen, don't be afraid of going for it. None of us are the healer. Jesus is the healer. Now, you don't have the, don't have the gumption to go for it. You're never going to see any kind of miracles. And for all I know, maybe it's his time to go home. But then again, maybe it isn't. Well, then what do you do? You go for it, man. You go, God, bring max glory. Max glory is not a guy. It's a maximum glory. Say, Max, I don't know, Max. Who's Max? Or look at 10. God will give you rest. Hey, coming into some of that here in just a little bit. Anybody need rest? Your seed shall inherit the earth. Psalm 25. Your children will be blessed. You'll be happy. Proverbs 28, 14. Blessed is the one who trembles before God. But whoever hardens his heart will fall into trouble. Wow, those are some of the promises for you personally. For the church, for the church, true repentance will take place. Let's go back to the text. In Acts 19, 18, it says, Many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Now here's the thing. Right? So they so the seven sons of Sceva become the first streakers in the Bible. They run away naked and bleeding. And all the churches sees what happens, and they're like, oh, snap. I got some issues. I think I better get rid of it. So it's the believers that bring their stuff. It's the believers that bring their magic scrolls or their demonic stuff to the Lord, and they burn it. You know you're having revival when believers start putting away their drugs and start getting away from stuff and start, start obeying God. This is the church that's doing this. This is not people who are... The people who are just just getting saved. That's different. You just get saved, you should do that too. This is the church who sees the seven sons of Sceva. Great fear comes on the church and they're like, you know what? He ain't playing. God's not playing. I better get all the sin out. I better really repent and get right with God. I better not play church. True repentance comes when the fear of the Lord comes. Believers got right. They don't have some secret agenda. Listen, if you have a secret agenda, you will be exposed. And if you have a secret agenda, it's because you don't have a fear of the Lord. You say, well, what do I do? Repent and ask for the gift. Ask God to give you the gift of the fear of the Lord. It's only because you have a blockage in your thinking. You have a double mind, perhaps. You have strongholds in your head, thinking that if you just hold on to your secret agenda, it's going to be okay, and God will, be, God will forgive you. It's all right. You can smoke crack on the side and just serve the Lord. No, it isn't all right. I've told the story time and time again. I had a family in the church many years ago. They sat under these services just like you've been sitting under them. Powerful, powerful guest speakers that would come through. Worship and miracles and signs and wonders. And yet they continued, continued to do drugs. Continued to sin. Continued to live their own way. I'm talking, I'm talking never miss a service. Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek. Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek. Even come to prayer. 
but they continue to hold on to this sin that they just felt like they could just continue to do it. And they'd come to counseling, and I'd try to help them. I'll never forget, and it's not, it's not, a kind of, it's not my idea that I just came up with. It was a thing of the Spirit. I'll never forget them being in my office for the umpteenth time to get marriage counseling. And as they're getting the marriage counseling, they're telling me what's going on. They're telling me about the, you know, the girl that's in their house and how, you know, the things that he's doing and the drugs that are going on. And they're in church. I'm not talking about people that aren't serving the Lord, that don't, don't come to church and don't know the word. They know the word, but they haven't let it get deep down and change them. So they continue to live because they don't have the fear of the Lord. And so as they're telling me this, I, I honestly can't believe it. I'm just like, what's wrong with you guys? And then I realize the, the holiness of God comes into my office. I'm, I'm talking like kind of terrifying. Like the, the, the terror holiness. Holiness. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He comes into the office. They start weeping. I'm weeping. And God speaks to me as clear as he's ever said anything to me. He says, you tell them they're right at the line. And if they step over the line, it'll be destruction for them. So as I'm weeping, I tell them, here's what the Lord tells me. You've come right to the line. If you step over the line, you will lose everything. And then I went on to prophesy. You will lose your land. You'll lose your business. you lose your car. you lose your kids. you lose your marriage. You lose everything. And you very well might die. And they're weeping. I'm weeping. And, every, and they're saying, I know. We know. We know. Yeah, we know. You know, all the crocodile tears were wiped away, and they left my office. And within the span of about 90 days, they lost their marriage. They lost their kids. Pregnant, all of them on drugs, all the boys on drugs. Girls pregnant, lost their business, lost their trucks, lost everything, lost every stinking thing they had. And all I could do is just say, that is so sad. The only thing they haven't lost is their very life. And isn't that the grace of God? Isn't that the mercy of God? That they would lose everything and whittle you down to zero so all you have is a pulse. I don't know how prideful you were. If you're anything like me, that's what had to happen to me. You know, you've heard you got to get to the bottom. Three guys going to the back of a yard. They have a shovel. One guy digs a hole. It's three feet deep. Another guy digs a hole, it's 10 feet deep. And the third guy digs a hole, and it's 15 feet deep. If you jump in the hole of the first one, it's three feet deep. Is that what I said? Did I say three feet? Is he in the bottom of the hole at three feet? Is he at the bottom? Yes, of course. You're in the hole. It's a hole that's three feet deep. You jump in, are you at the bottom? Yes, very good. How about the next hole? It's 10 feet. You jump in the bottom of a 10 feet hole. Is he at the bottom when you jump in the bottom? Right? 15 feet. You jump at the bottom of all your bottom. Listen, you can just determine you're at your bottom right now. Just determine, look, I'm not going to go any lower. I'm going to get the fear of the Lord. I'm going to begin to serve Him. I want my kids to serve Him. I'm going to be on fire. I'm not going to dig myself a ditch and continue to be stiff-necked and rebellious and do whatever I want. It's my life. I can do what I want to. Well, you're stupid. That's why. Watch out. Just want to get a spirit of slap on me sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? I'm thankful they're still alive and may they come back to the Lord. And we've seen people die. Somebody said, the days of Ananias and Sapphira are coming back to the church. I think they already are. What a way to grow a church. I don't wish that anybody would drop dead here. If, you're, if you don't have the fear of the Lord and you're lying to the Holy Spirit, just go somewhere else. Amen? <laughs> or get healed. Repent. There'll be a release of God's miracle power. Look at your notes. Acts 5 and 12, you see many signs and wonders done by the apostles among the people. The church grew. Psalm 85, verse 9, Surely salvation is near to those who fear Him, that the glory may dwell in, your land, in our land. Wow. I want the glory of God to roll in this place. 
I, I want the glory of the Lord to roll in this place. I, I want him to come to reveal himself to us in a way that we've never seen before. I long for his presence and his power. I long for that. Because I know what that will do for you. I know what it will do for me. I know, I know what we need. We don't need more religion. We don't need a bunch of rules and regulations where people try to, you know, force people to have a correct life based upon some religious tradition or something. It's a relationship with Jesus where you don't want to hurt him and you want to please him. The church will grow. Wow. Well, or what's God saying to us? Well, ask yourself this question as Pastor Alex and the anointed team comes. Do you really fear him? Look these scriptures over and ask yourself, do you really have the fear of the Lord? Do you really have the fear of the Lord? All of the children here, you ask yourself, ask yourself, do you have it? If you disobey mom and dad on a regular basis, you don't have it. Hello, put your iPhones up. Come on, put your, put your, put your electronic devices away, all you little beautiful children. If you don't obey mom and dad, you don't obey your parents, then you don't have the fear of the Lord. It's not going to be well for you. And let me just say, parents, if you don't teach your kids to obey, listen, we believe in first-time obedience. You know why? Because that's what God believes in. That's, that's what God says. He doesn't count to three, and he certainly doesn't count to ten. Don't make me count to three. Thou shalt not commit adultery. So you're committing adultery, and he's like, one, two. No, that's, not, that's not even biblical. You're like, what's adultery? Well, I'll never forget my, and I hope this is okay. We were reading through the scripture, reading through Proverbs. Danny and I would read through the Proverbs. And it talks about a prostitute. He says, hey, Dad. Now he's six or seven. He said, Dad, what's a prostitute? I'm like, um, let's move on. Praise God. Okay. So, Dad, but I feel like I'm not supposed to move on. So I said, well, um, that's somebody who gets paid to give kisses. That'll work. How many of you know that'll work? If you're doing that, you don't have the fear of the Lord. Okay, you might get that on the way home. Do you really fear Him? Do you really fear Him? If you really fear the Lord, you wouldn't demean that person who, who, uh, who hurts you. You wouldn't slander them, and you wouldn't backstab them. You wouldn't talk evil of your neighbor. If you really fear the Lord, we wouldn't do that. If we really feel the Lord, we would have, wouldn't have taken advantage. You wouldn't have taken advantage of that person. You certainly wouldn't be fornicating tonight, tomorrow night. If you really fear the Lord, you wouldn't do that. If you really feel the Lord, then, you know, then you wouldn't have allowed yourself to get bound by addiction. Now, if you have allowed that to happen, you can get the fear of the Lord and break that thing by the power of the name of Jesus. And you set up structures so that you don't have to be addicted anymore. You say you set up your life so you don't get hurt and wounded that way. The boy who's addicted to, to pornography comes to the pastor. The pastor says, dude, I'm going to give you a plan. I'm going to pray for you. And here's what you're going to do. Because he would go home a certain way and he would see the pornography in the store. The pastor says, you're going to go home another way. In this case, get a flip phone for today's application. Not walking past the five and dime. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a cell phone that you've given your kids. I'm almost done, but let me just say, all of you parents that have kids that have smartphones, devices, if... If you can ask your kid for their phone and they won't give it to you unequivocally, I'm telling you right now, you have a problem. Oh, you don't know my kid. Oh, no, you're deceived. If you ask your kid for your phone and they're like, it's my phone, you gave me my phone, it's my iPhone. 
and there's something wrong. Anybody can have my phone right now. The only thing is I've got some private things, texts, things that are personal to people. My wife, we have the same password. I've said this before, but some people don't get it. These these phones are the number one destroyers and, uh, and defilers of our youth today. Come on, some of you messing around. Snapchat? I don't like Snapchat. The reason I don't like it is there's no digital record. You could send a and send it to somebody and they look at it, ah, and then it's gone. If you're very fast, you can screen capture the thing. Yeah, no accountability. I don't like stuff without accountability. I don't do no accountability. If you have in your life no accountability, buddy, you're in trouble. Ma'am, sir, you need to teach your kid, aw. (laughs) <laughs> little horsey. If, if, you know, you got to teach your kids to fear the Lord. Please, 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 please. And all your kids, all the kids are like, shut up. Shut up, shut up, move on. Don't talk about Periscope either. Don't talk about Snapchat. Move on. Shh. Mm-hmm. I'm just about done. Husbands, wives. Might as well. I've stepped in it already. Might as well take a deeper step. What was that? I think, I believe, here's what I believe. I believe that if you have secrets, you're in trouble. We have a little saying in our family, Brackens don't have secrets. Now, obviously, I counsel and have to hold things and a lot of things in confidence. My wife and I don't have any secrets. I have nothing that I can't tell. I have nothing to hide from her. I have nothing. We share the same email. We have for decades now. It gets somewhat irritating at times when you, but it's wonderfully healthy. I don't, I don't, I don't ever have to quickly shut my laptop. She's got passwords to everything, all of it. I mean, I don't even. We just got it set up that way. And listen, if you have a little private world, little private agenda, you might be in trouble. And the fear of the Lord will keep you from that. I'm just trying to help some of you guys, some of you ladies. All right, I'll let you go. Two more things. Don't mistake God's grace for tolerance. Gosh, that's so good. Don't mistake God's grace for tolerance. There's a, there's a movement that's happening, especially in the lower 48. I've heard some of it here, and it's the hyper-grace, the neo-Calvinism. It is a gangrenous teaching that will destroy your life. I took the head off that thing about a year ago through a series on grace. It's all online. You can't do whatever you want to and just expect that Jesus is going to forgive you. No, don't don't expect, God's grace is not Him allowing you, tolerating your sin. Don't take His kindness for weakness. God is not slack as some count slack is. Don't take his kindness for weakness. And lastly, the fear of the Lord is a wonderful gift. Why don't you stand up on your feet and ask him for it? Mm. Want to fear your name? Want to walk in your fear, God? We pray tonight that you would give us a greater fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. You'd release it to us. We pray and ask. Open our eyes as we look over these scriptures, as we we look to you, God, this week. It's one of the greatest gifts that we could have is the fear of the Lord. And personally, all the benefits of it. And corporately as a church, that there would be true repentance.
No more, not, not crocodile tears. Not a sloppy agape. Not re receiving your grace and, and seeing it as tolerance. God doesn't, you don't wink at our sin. No, you don't. No, you don't. We want to be a people that wholly, dearly love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we want to teach others to do the same. God, we thank you and praise you with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, won't you give you an opportunity to give your heart to him? If that's you, maybe you're online listening by podcast or over YouTube. Right now, you want to give your heart to Jesus, won't you do that? For the first time or maybe make a recommitment, you're here under the sound of my voice. Pray this prayer with me right out loud if that's you. And for those of you that are right with God, just affirm your faith. Say with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place. Forgive me of all my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you that as you rose again from the grave, raise my life up now also. And give me the fear of the Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing me. Hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray. Touch, fill, bless, heal, encourage, divine appointments, the joy of the Lord, blessings on families, blessings on all the children tonight, all the marriages tonight, all the grandchildren. Lord, bless the families of this house, those that are here and those that are off, even afar or abroad. Bless them. Cause us to grow big and strong in you, that we might know you and walk in the fear of God. We thank you and praise you for it. And bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Don't miss Wednesday night. Pastor Vince going to preach. All of you men, register for the men's encounter. God bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.